Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes. You'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Come stai? Molto bene, e tu? Eh, sto bene, non c'è male, non c'è male. Welcome back to QAV, uh, episode 347, recorded this day, 18th of October, anyway, 2020. Yeah. How are you, TK? Good, 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 good. Had a, uh, had a big weekend. Tell me about it. Well, we um, we start kicked it off on Friday. I know you were trying to call me at one stage, but um, I was at lunch. Had a, a, a good lunch at the Eighteen Footers Yacht Club in Double Bay, which is a beautiful seafood restaurant right on the water, next to the ferry stop. Um, had a racing crowd there, Sydney racing crowd. So that that fast became dinner in the evening as well as lunch. And then Saturday was Everest Day at the at Ramwick, so I went out to that. And then Sunday went round to a friend's place. Ruddy was up from Wagga, and we watched the Bledisloe Cup, and then had a barbecue. So my liver is uh, is enjoying <laughs> Monday. <laughs> uh, I probably won't drink for a week. <laughs> your liver is about as healthy as my horse betting account that I set up last week, and. Bet on three of your ponies last week. Lost Ooh. money on all of them. <laughs> Didn't you get... Even though one of them came second. You didn't back it each way. Nah, well, you know, I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. You <laughs> told me to use the SP yes. betting thing in the app, and it obviously just gave me for the win, I think. It so, does, yeah. Um, That's fine. We'll, yeah. we'll get a winner up soon. I saw an article in Market Watch late last week. Uh, headline: Our return sucks over the past few years, and we've just run out of time. Says ten billion dollar value investor calling it quits. <laughs> it makes us look like we're morons. Says AJO's Aronson, like we've been buying our selling list and selling our buy list. <laughs> Uh, AJO Partners in Philadelphia and Boston. Uh, they've been running for 
40 years they're pulling the pin because as he says later on in the article our shit is so bad it's unbelievable compared <laughs> to our peers all he had to do was to put out the sell list <laughs> people could have bought that and made money but yeah, yeah and so it's, as I've said before it's, it's just as good to have someone who's always wrong as your friend as, as it is to have someone who's always right because it, um, it's just as helpful just invert. But, uh, yeah, that was an interesting article, I thought. Um, again, value, a value uh, manager underperforming largely because, of course, the NASDAQ is outperforming in the US, which are all growth stocks. Uh, but I, I picked up a couple of um, interesting quotes when I read that article when you sent it through. And uh, one was, when the market goes to extremes, people go to extremes. And that's, that's kind of what's happening now, isn't it? That you know, the, all these all these tech stocks are flying, and and people are joining the market. The um, the guy who the article was about was saying largely on the uh, platforms where they don't pay uh, any brokerage. Uh, yeah, and it's it's all reminiscent again of two thousand, really, when the mm. internet stocks were flying and with very high multiples, and people were justifying their valuations on the basis that they would keep increasing their revenues at. 20 or 30% a year forever, and of course it didn't happen. And in fact, this is, um, this is what happened in 99 and 2000. People shut up shop if they were value managers. I mean, Buff, like every time you open the paper, there was an article where someone was asking Buffett why he was underperforming the market and you know, how did he feel about that and how could he you know, sleep at night and all that kind of stuff. And why wasn't he getting into tech stocks? It's the same thing that's going on now. Mm. The funny thing is, though, when I go to AGO's AJO's website and I download their monthly market performance document, the headline says, September 2020, another stellar quarter. (laughs) Month was nothing to write home about, but not so the quarter. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, why are you shutting up shop then if you had a stellar quarter? I think I, I think what he said. I think somewhere in the article it says that he was outperforming the S and P, which had only gone up, I think, seven percent or something in the last year, or so. Um, but he was underperforming the Nasdaq, which was up like thirty or forty percent this year. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's what he means by a stellar quarter. But the other quote I liked in the in the article, he says, "Whatever rises from the ashes of this will be value investing." And that's exactly the case. So, you know, people, this is capitulation. People are shutting up shop because they can't compete against the growth stocks and that they can't attract investor funds. And of course, as soon as the growth stocks tank, which they will at some stage, uh, what's left is value investing. You're going to have lots of cheap things to buy. Mm. Mm. Well, we'll see. Um, brave words there that you're saying, that the tech stocks will collapse. This time it's different, Tony. We have <laughs> zero, zero percent interest rates, MMT. Yeah, look, unfortunately, what will happen is when they do collapse, and they will because they're, they're all overvalued, uh, they'll drag the market down with them. That's, that's one of the difficulties, I guess. But uh, they'll present heaps of opportunities for us to, to buy good quality companies cheaply again. But again, I'm... I'm you know, uh, I like to point to the fact that your portfolio has been doing fine the last few years, depending on how you want to measure it. I was on 
I don't know, some other site late last week and somebody was saying, oh, value investing's dead. And I said, well, you know, that's uh, my experience is that it's continuing to return. It's 15 to 20% low risk compound annual growth year on year out. And uh, it seems to be doing okay if you know what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, and, you know, it's always tempting to jump on something that's going up 30% a year for the last couple of years, but, but that's the you know, Daniel Kahneman effect that we have to try and guard against. You know, we're, we're, that's the, uh, we're following the hot hand or we're following the, the most recent performer instead of doing something which has worked year on, year out for a long time. Mm. 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 Well, um, good to know that uh, you're not worried by the AGO <laughs> shutdown, no. capitulation. No, not at no. all. No, well, the only worrying thing is that this is again a sign that uh, this is what happened in the late nineties and and two thousand. This is it's another sign that if there's so much money that's going into these Fang stocks or the Nasdaq that this guy can't attract funds into his value in uh, his value fund. Uh, that's just another example of that there's too much money, if you like, going into those stocks, and that they're overvalued, and that that's going to mm. come a cropper. Mm. Well, let's see what happens. I also saw in the AFR late last week uh, there was an article that said the best the best measure of this is talking about the local economy the best measure of the slack in the labour market the underutilisation rate rose to eighteen point three percent from eighteen point one percent at that level the rate is close to the recession peak in nineteen ninety two of eighteen point two percent. Mm. I'd say it's a little bit more than close. It's over. Um, <laughs> that's not uh, that's not great. So that's not a great sign for our economy in 2021 when we come out of COVID. Underutilization rate. You just want, might want to explain that for us. Yeah, my understanding of underutilization rate is it looks at the the number of people that are unemployed and underemployed as a percentage of the overall labour force. I remember when we had. Our close personal friend Alan Kohler on the show uh, last year, he was telling us that you know the government quotes the official unemployment rate, but if you look at the underemployment rate as well, which is people who are working part time or driving Uber, the gig economy stuff like that, they would like to be working full time, but they just can't get enough work to do that. That's also you got to bundle that up. Together and so yeah. together, that's the underutilization rate. Correct. Or the total, the total underemployment, uh, yeah. unemployment lumber. And rates. I think when we were talking to Alan Kohler last year, he quoted the figure at that time of about thirteen percent. I think was his uh, was the was the underutilization in the economy, and that was what a year or eighteen months ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's gone up. So yeah, so we're really well. I mean, in yeah, terms of the we had, it, with, we had COVID too, so you would expect correct. it would go up. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's it's a worrying statistic, and and uh, luckily we have MMT to support everyone who's underutilized at the moment. The real the real issue is going to be how long does that last for, and how do they manage coming out? Yeah, but are we are we still doing MMT in Australia, or did uh, ScoMo say nah, no more of that? Well, ScoMo said it's not MMT. Josh Frydenberg says it's not MMT. The governor of the Reserve Bank says it's not MMT. <laughs> Everyone else looking at it goes, yeah, it's MMT. So <laughs> it walks like a duck and quacks it's, like a duck. It's Morrison monetary theory. <laughs> yeah. The other MMT. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and um, 
the dollar late. The big, the big news, like in the quiet world of reserve banks, was uh, that uh, they're likely they're, they're sort of making all the noises that they're going to cut interest rates again on Cup Day, uh, which brings them very close to zero or potentially zero or even negative. So we're getting into the into the realms of uh, of you know, some of the other countries in the world that have negative interest rates. Negative interest rates. Yep. So if that's not MMT, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> so explain to me again what the implications of negative interest rates are. Oh, it's, it's, I don't know if I can really. The implications, um, it means our mortgage rates will go down. So the idea is that people will invest more either in like as end users like us um, do renovations on their houses, take out mortgages, upgrade their houses or whatever. But it also allows business to invest more. So the government's trying everything it can to to get business to invest. Um, that happened in the budget with the various tax changes that were um, that were announced. But also as interest rates go go down, um, that allows business to borrow cheaper and uh, and invest more. So all of that kind of investment coming into the economy is meant to meant to make the economy go up. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's uh, this kind of reduction in rates has been going on now since the GFC, and it is underpinning the economy for sure. Um, as it goes negative, I mean, it's got to it's got to find a floor at some stage, hasn't it? So I don't know how we keep growing in perpetuity because interest rates are low. Um, as they go negative, what are the implications? Well, people won't be able to get uh, anything on their money in the bank, uh, on their savings. So that's going to be an issue. That that will, that, will you have to. My mo- my mother told me you'll have to pay the bank to look after your money when interest rates go negative. Yeah, and Alan Collis <laughs> raised the analogy that it's like having having to pay for a security deposit box, a safety deposit box. That's what putting your money in the bank is going to be like in the future. You're paying the bank to to look after it for you hmm. and get the government guarantee on it and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's that's strange. Uh, but yeah, what it basically means is that bond yields, bond um, rates go down again too, uh, which is which is you know driving all the investment that the government wants, the borrowings that the government wants to increase, and of course this is uh, like you know Skymo and Josh and the Reserve Bank Governor are all saying we're not working in cahoots. That would be MMT, but they're all they're all singing from the same hymn book and doing doing things. Um, Maybe not in collaboration, but doing things that are all aligning up the same way to try and drive uh, investment in the economy. Uh, you know what it is? The dog you walk when you're not walking a dog. The dog you tie when you're not tying a dog. The drink you have when you're not having a drink. Clayton's. <laughs> Mixed over ice. With Schweppes dry soda or lemonade. Clayton's is the drink you have when you don't want alcohol. Clayton's, the drink you have when you're not having a drink. It's CMMT, Clayton's Modern Monetary Theory. The modern monetary theory you have when you're not having modern monetary theory. Geez, I'd better go and buy some Clayton's this week after the weekend I've had. I can (laughs) make up a Clayton's in the groany tonight and save my liver. (laughs) Uh Yeah, Yeah, no, it it is Clayton's MMT, exactly right. It's um okay. The government isn't telling the Reserve Bank board to buy their bonds, but that's what's happening. So it's uh, it looks 
it looks like MMT, it quacks like MMT, and it walks like MMT, it probably is just, MMT. Just doesn't have any alcohol in it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So. Well, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting uh, time ahead as we come out of uh, COVID stimulus to an economy that's on its knees. We'll see what happens and the effect that has. On the market, I've got another question for you. Uh, I received in the mail the other day an AGM voting form for our friends at uh, CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> uh, what uh, should I do with that? Otherwise called Credit Corp. Well, first, oh, yeah, first, the other CCP. first of all, register and get it sent to you via email so you can save a company that you're invested in some money. doesn't have to mail out things in the, in the snail mail. Um, you don't have to do anything. It's it's uh, AGM notice, uh, and if you look at the the website on the AGM agenda, um, which I did before for Credit Corp, you can decide whether you want to vote and how you want to vote. But um, I I probably won't vote in the Credit Corp AGM because it's pretty pedestrian. You, I think the the um, the three or four motions were about um, accepting the you know the annual report. Uh, uh, re-electing a couple of directors and you know I think Credit Corp's doing a good job so there's no reason not to re-elect directors and uh, approving the remuneration uh, model and again I think you know Credit Corp are doing a good job so there's no reason to oppose it so what do I do when I get these kinds of notices and I, I get you know 20 or so a year um, if it's a company generally most of them are pedestrian and I don't do much at all and and I mean, you can vote if you want to. You can um, give a proxy to someone like the chair of the meeting or Steve Mab, I'm sure, is sitting up straight now and, and wanting us to give proxies to the, <laughs> um, the Australian Shareholder Association. So you can do that as well. Uh, I generally um, only vote if, uh, if the, there's an issue important to me on it, on the agenda. And Generally, that's something like an approval of a takeover or an approval of a merger, where you know the the, the every vote counts. Uh, or if there's something controversial happening, um, and generally you know about that because it's being reported in the Fin Review that uh, you know the, the the chairman's up for re-election, but he's not popular or she's not popular because of X, Y, and Z reason, or the remuneration report. Uh, is considered to be um, too excessive or too easy to get bonuses for the for the executives, uh, and then you might want to take a stance on that. But um, but no, generally I I um, I don't do anything in the majority right. of cases. How do I sign up for an electronic? Do I where do I go to do that? Do I have should, to go to CCP? It should be on the paperwork a link now, oh, okay. um, and. You need to know the share registry for, for Credit Corp, which is going to be Computer Share or Boardroom or Link or one of those. There's, there's you know, three or four big players and a few minor ones. Uh, and you go onto their website and enter in your HIN or SRN. It's usually a HIN. Uh, so the number, your allocated number that links to your shares in your shareholding. And, uh, yeah, put in your email address. They'll also ask you for your tax file number, so you should do that because uh, if you don't record your tax file number against your shares, they will have to withhold tax on the dividends at the top marginal rate. So you need to put your tax file number in because um, not everyone will be on the top marginal rate, especially if the shares are being held in a superannuation fund, for example. Uh, 
And yeah, you can put in your email, um, set your communication preferences up. And what else do you do? Uh, I'll give them your banking details if you want the if you want to receive your dividends direct credited to your account and not via a check in the mail. Hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. I hate checks. Yeah, exactly. So it's worth it's worth going to the site and doing those three things. By the way, Steve Mab and I are going to have lunch next week, the week of the uh, on the twenty eighth of October. Anyone in Brisbane or the South Queensland? area wants to come along and have lunch uh, shoot me an email sure we got room fit you in more the merrier oh good hmm. wish i could come up which i might be able to do soon yeah well and uh, melbourne is starting to slowly come out of uh, lockdown yes fingers crossed by the sounds of it that's exciting yes. for the people down there all of our friends down in melbourne congratulations yeah sad sad day for us alex is getting starting to make plans to go back down to melbourne in the next sort of three, ah. three, maybe three weeks. So yeah, that'll be a, a sad day three for us. Three weeks. Yeah. Well, I think oh, that's a that's a long way away. They've come out. No, they've come out of whatever stage they are in. Lock complete lockdown now. And uh, I think yeah. they're saying November one is the next checkpoint to right. to come out of it even further. I think I think mm. they're saying that they expect businesses to open on November one. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm sure I'm sure a boyfriend's happy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, his gain is our loss. And yes. she's having some fun at the moment. Like I think she's uh well, I think you know that she's just about to, to finish her fine arts degree and graduate, but she had some paintings accepted into her first uh art auction. Wow. Yeah, the Red if anyone wants to go and have a look on the Red Hill I think it's called the Red Hill Gallery or the Red Hill Art Auction. Uh, In Brisbane. No, it's on it's uh on the Mornington Peninsula. Oh, okay. We've got Hill. a Red Hill Gallery here too. Okay, so yeah. Different one. Though. Different one, yeah. Mm. Yeah. When I Google Red Hill Gallery, it gives me the one in Red Hill in Brisbane. So this is uh, Red Hill Gallery in where? Uh, Mornington Peninsula. I'll check that out. Go buy one of Alex's paintings. You could, yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, let's get into listener questions for this week. Uh, Jamie Oliver, uh, big fan. Jamie's. Uh, Jamie Oliver, the Jamie Oliver? Uh, yeah. For his, according to his parents, he's the Jamie Oliver. Uh, he says, my question for Tony... I, I don't know. I didn't ask him. Are you the Jamie Oliver? But uh, My question for Tony is related to his use... It's James, actually. James Oliver. My question for Tony is related to his use of the model, listen to the numbers, versus the investment rationale we often hear from him. Would he invest in a stock where the model is screaming buy but he can't see or understand the underlying rationale for a business growing, e.g. expansion of the market, turnaround story, improvement in resource prices, etc. Cheers, James Oliver. Uh, simple answer, yes. Uh, so I think the only reason why I wouldn't is some of the ones that we've, you know, we've talked about uh, in the past, like um, resignation of key personnel. Uh, I'd, I'd probably think hard about it if the if it was like a mining company and the underlying commodity was um, in a downward trend. So uh, that's that's a possibility. But generally, um, yes, I would buy. So uh, we spoke about it before. I I don't do deep analysis on the companies in terms of you know how competitive they are in their own fields and and uh, all that kind of thing. Uh, so I trust the model. Hmm. Trust the model. Yes. And uh, in your decades of experience, how many times has that bitten you on the backside? 
Well, like, like I think we said, it's um, I usually get six out of ten right. That's that's what we're aiming for. So yeah, so yep. the, so perhaps James is onto something. That if I did some deeper analysis, maybe that would go to seven and and um, yeah, we'd all be billionaires. But uh, <laughs> I think um, I think I think my ability to analyze, you know, like a, a gold mining company or a, a fund manager or you know all the various different stocks that we look at is is quite limited. Without without spending mm. a lot of time and without speaking to a lot of people in the industry, mm. um, and that's not how I want to invest. So uh, mm. I'm happy with mm. the six out of ten and let the model keep trucking along. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you could spend more time doing more analysis, but mm-hmm. then you'd have to play less golf, right? Yeah. So that's I think the trade off. Yes, I think the other thing to bear in mind is that. Uh, this happens for a lot of companies on the buy list, but they're companies that have been on my in and off my buy list, back and you know back and forth over the years. So I, I do get very familiar with the eclipses of the worlds and the credit corps of the worlds, um, Fortescue Metals and those kinds of things. Just just because of the fact that you know I've I've been looking at them now for for many years. So you do get that kind of familiarity with the with the companies. But I guess what he's asking is for those of us that don't have, that are new to this, don't have your decades of experience, we don't know these companies, should we listen to the numbers or, you know, dig down, dive down deep into what's going on in the sector and the company? And uh, my guess is you would say, look, if you want to do it, do it. Yeah. But uh, you work just based on the numbers. Correct. That, that's right. It may It may help you. I think. The other thing to bear in mind too is that as a value investor, we're often contrarian investing. So you may find if you do a deep dive, deep dive, that people will tell you this is not a good company, or this company's facing headwinds, or it's you know it's number number three in the industry it's in, and all those kinds of things. But that doesn't deter me because uh, if mm. the numbers are good, I expect management mm. to turn it around uh, and and. You know, if it's a quality company, it's not going to go broke, then they've got a good shot at turning it around. So oftentimes, if you're looking at, at the you know, recent past or if you're looking at where it's positioned, uh, you, you know, like, if, like to cite some examples, like the gold miners were three, three odd years ago when uh, gold price was just turning up again. They had, they had a cycle, they were you know, at the bottom end of a cycle of declining gold prices and uh, they were doing it tough. And so, mm. you know, the classic response is, why do you want to? Why would you want to invest in gold miners? Um, so you're, you're always you're always a bit contrarian. So, you know, if you do look at some of these companies that we get into, you'll probably find that there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, well, there are better options out there. But uh, you know, we can see from the numbers that they're they're quite investable. Well, that's exactly what we're trying to do: is invest in the companies that aren't popular. Correct. Right? That's why they're uh, undervalued. Yeah. Is they're not popular. People aren't excited about them for a whole bunch of legitimate uh, business or sector-related reasons. We want to find. We want to find those companies, and uh, but find the ones that seem to be managed well and uh, get on board when they when they are unpopular. Yeah, and, and another example would be the reject shop. You know, had a couple of tough years, um, went down dramatically. It didn't get its merchandising right. Changed its managing director a few times. Uh, but but you know, this latest uh, the latest numbers are, are showing uh, some good results, and it's turning around. 
And now what we're starting to see is some analysts are coming out and saying, yeah, you should buy the reject shop. It's, it's a turnaround. So you know, we, we've been there from the start. Um, and uh, that, that's generally how it works. It's an unloved stock. We, in the, in the investing community, we see the numbers are good. We buy into it. And then slowly over time, like not a long time, but maybe six months to 12 months, other analysts jump on board and say, hey, this is actually you know, better than we first thought or better than it has been in the past. And then it uh, you know, picks up, uh, the, the stock price picks up momentum because of that. Mm. Mm. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, if you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the uh, premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, you get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. So, And also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you want to, you're trying to figure out what's going on, go back and listen to Season 3, Episodes 1, 3, and 5, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to Season 1, as well, all of the free episodes in season one, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, the other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, with that, stay safe. Good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.